0: It's good to be in the house of the Lord, amen? Amen. Looking forward to coming to the Lord's table together uh, with you. And uh, before we get there, we're going to spend some time in God's Word. We're going to look into God's Word and see what God has to say for us as we consider uh, the Lord's table. Uh, The the church matters, Amen. amen? The church matters. The Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. The Bible calls the church His body, His building. We are salt and light. We are his ambassadors. And since the church matters, it matters how we gather together as a church. You know, Paul has already dealt with, as we have looked at this, uh, this section of order in the church, Paul has already dealt with gender and headship, and now he's dealing with our gathering. Soon, uh, we'll move on and he'll be dealing with our gifts. But we're going to stop today and we're going to look together at here these ordinances And I think it's important for us to remember that the Lord Jesus is the one that gave us these ordinances. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. This was not man's idea. Uh, This was not a pastor's idea. This was Jesus' idea and what he gave to his body. And you know, the ordinances, they help to provide us order. They constantly ground us in what Christ has done for us in who we are in Jesus, in what Jesus has promised to do in the future. Think about baptism. Baptism, by immersion, is one of the ordinances of the church. We are buried in the likeness of his death, and we are raised to walk in newness of life. The Lord's Supper is what? It is remembering the body that was broken and the blood that was shed until he comes. And so as we consider these ordinances, church, is important that they are observed and observed correctly. And so this morning, let's look at some of these instructions given to us by the Lord. Let's start in verse 23. Paul said this, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. Of the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying... This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. As we come to the Lord's table this morning, I think the first thing that we're instructed to remember is that we need to stop this morning and take a grateful look back. Take a grateful look back at what Jesus did for us. Now, let me teach for a minute this morning. The Lord's Supper is a picture of what Jesus did for us. It is symbolic. I want to be clear this morning that the bread and the juice does not turn into the literal body and blood of Jesus. That is false teaching. That is heresy. Let me go a step further. Not only does it not literally turn into the body and blood of Jesus, it does not spiritually contain the body and blood of Jesus. It is a picture. It is a symbol. It is a metaphor of a memorial that was left to us. By the way, Jesus used symbols and metaphors all the time. Jesus said, I am the door. But I don't see too many preachers wondering if, boy... That door is in the church. I wonder if that door could literally be Jesus. You'd say I was nuts, right? I mean, if we said it, we could probably sell it on eBay. But uh, <laughs> but none of us would seriously think that that door was Jesus just because it was in the church. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Slam slain before the foundation of the world. But nobody is claiming that Jesus is a literal animal. No, God gave him a body. He was incarnated into this world for us. He's not a literal physical door. He's not a literal physical lamb. And this isn't literally his body or literally his blood. It's a metaphor. Now, understand this. John 6 is one of those passages that people get all twisted. But John 6 is simply an extended metaphor or, or symbol where Jesus compares himself to the manna that came down from heaven in the Old Testament. John 6, look, beginning in verse 47. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. He said, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread that cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. The whole bread of life is what is an extended metaphor where Jesus says, look guys, your fathers ate manna and and that manna satisfied them for a time, but then they died. That manna was not enough to give them eternal life. He said, I am that bread from heaven. I am that true bread that not only satisfies in this life, but gives eternal life to come. Jesus in the upper room, when he laid out the Lord's Supper, what was he doing? He was taking that Passover meal and communicating that he was indeed the fulfillment of the Passover dinner. He was that Lamb of God that would come and take away the sin of the world. So church, be clear. What we have before us is symbolic. It is a metaphor. It is a memorial where we remember what Jesus did. This is not the body and blood of Jesus. It does not spiritually contain the body and blood of Jesus. It is a symbolic metaphor. Let me make a second statement. This is not a sacrament. The word sacrament, and what a sacrament is, means it is a means of grace. That when we partake of this, that it becomes a conduit of grace in our lives. This does not produce grace. It is not a sacrament. It is not a means of grace. What it is, it is a reminder. It is a memorial of the grace that has already been given to us. And so taking a grateful look back, we have to understand what we are looking at. It is symbolic. It is a memorial. And it's so important that we remember. Church, Jesus did for me what I could never do for myself. Jesus paid the price for my sin and for the sin of the whole world. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 puts it this way, that he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God and Him. John put it this way in 1 John 2 and verse number 2, that He is the propitiation, He is the satisfaction for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus saved me from the penalty of my sin. Do you understand this morning that you deserve, I deserve, every man, woman, boy, and girl deserves to be separated from God in a place called hell forever? You say, preacher, don't talk talk about the negative stuff. You know, just, just be positive. Being positive is enough. It is the truth. And by the way, you can't sweep away the negative side of this. You think about this. What if sometimes you see anti-smoking campaigns that say what? I've stopped smoking, and since I stopped smoking, life is wonderful. And I can play with my kids or my grandkids. And sometimes you see things like that. But what do you see most of the time for anti-smoking campaigns? Hi, my name's Troy. I'm 26 years old. And I've got maybe a month to live. That's what we see, right? Because you see that, and you're like, if that's what could happen, I'm not gonna smoke. You think about the, the uh, anti texting and driving campaigns. You know what I don't ever see for an anti texting and driving campaign? Well, I stopped texting and driving, and boy, I rediscovered how beautiful the leaves are this time of the year. I'm so glad I stopped texting and driving. No, what do you see for anti-texting and driving campaigns? You see mangled cars. You see crying mothers. You, you see those things. Why? Because there is a price to pay when you choose to do those things. The price to pay for smoking is often lung cancer, emphysema, trachs, and, and and death. The price for texting and driving is wrecks and tragedy and tickets and awfulness. The price for sin is the lake of fire. Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And the reality is, all of humanity is born dead and doomed in their sin, on their way to a devil's hell. Like I said, Jesus said it this way, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched, and every one of us would be there today, and be there for all eternity, but for Jesus. But for Jesus. Don't ever get over what he's done for you. Before I move on from this, I wonder here if there's somebody this morning who's never put their faith and trust in Jesus. I'm going to tell you, this thing must be personal if it's going to be profitable. I love what Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Jesus died for you. He died to pay the penalty for your sins that you could have the opportunity to receive the gift of eternal life and be made the righteousness of God in Him. I ask you this morning, have you put your faith in the Son of God? Have you put your faith in His death, His burial, and His resurrection for you? It's not about good works. Good works are good, but they're not going to get you into heaven. It's not about church. Coming to church is wonderful. I wish everybody came to church, but coming to church isn't going to get you to heaven. It's not about your good intentions. Good intentions are fine, I guess, but they're not going to get you to heaven. Only Jesus can get you to heaven. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Have you put your faith in Jesus? Do you know for sure that if you died today that you would go to heaven? Do you know that you've been born again into the family of God? Do you know that the Spirit of God lives within you? If not, get it settled today. Even this moment, you could choose to put your faith in Christ. In a little while, we're going to have a time of invitation. I want to encourage you, if you have questions about what that is, what that means, or you want to accept Christ, get up, come down, and see me. Let's get it settled today, amen? For those of us who know the Lord, as we come to His table this morning, we must take a grateful look back at all that Jesus has done for us. So we take, number one, a grateful look. Look back. But then number two, you and I are called to take a genuine look within. Paul continued in verse 27. He said, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself So as we come to the Lord's table this morning, we're taking a grateful look back, amen? And we're taking a genuine look within. You know, the admonition here is clear that you and I are to come to the Lord's table in a proper manner. Last week, we talked about table manners, table etiquette. We are called to judge ourselves. That means to evaluate or discern ourselves with the help of the Holy Spirit of God. I love how David put it in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. He said this, he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We are called to examine ourselves. Now, let me help you this morning. This is not morbid introspection. Because, like Brother David said earlier, every one of us still struggle with sin. Amen? We're not talking about being worthy of our own merit. It's not morbid introspection. It's also not wallowing in guilt and shame. It's not dredging up what is already under the blood. So many times people will come and they'll say, Well, you know, when I was 12... I made this decision, and all my life has just been ruined ever since. I'm like, you're 62, okay? It's under the blood. Let's move on. It's not dredging up what's already under the blood, but so often, what do we do? We, we hold on to or we hold against ourselves what Jesus has already washed away. Psalm 103 verse 12 puts it this way. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Micah 7 in verse number 19 talks about how he has buried our iniquities in the depths of the sea. And Isaiah 1 in verse 18 puts it this way. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, shall be white as snow and though they be red like crimson they shall be white as wool we approach the Lord's table not with great guilt but with deep gratitude because we realize that when we bring these sins to Christ he washes them away And so when we examine ourselves, it's not morbid introspection. It's not wallowing in guilt and shame. It's not dredging up what is already under the blood. we got to stop living in the guilt of the past. And be grateful Jesus has put it under the blood. But we are examining ourselves to make sure that we aren't holding on to sins in the present. That we're not taking the Lord's Supper in a light or unworthy manner. Let me make this statement. Christians ought not stay in sin's grip. Christians ought not live in the grip of sin. In Romans chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, Paul says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Verse 13, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto God, uh, unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Christians should not live in the grip of sin today. And so what do we do before we come to the Lord's table? We need to examine ourselves to make sure that our heart Is spiritually right and that our hands are spiritually clean. In Psalm 24, beginning in verse number three, David puts it this way Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath, what is it, church? Clean Clean hands and a Pure. pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity or sworn deceitfully? And so we examine ourselves. You know, last, last Sunday night we talked about poisonous presumptions. It's dangerous, church, to just presume that things are always okay. Because here's the thing about sin. Sin has a sneaky way of making incursions into our heart and life. Sin has a sneaky way of developing holds that we don't even realize until they become strongholds. Until they become sins that easily beset us. And so when we presume that we're just okay, chances are we may not be. Because we never give thought to sin's incursion into our hearts and lines. When's the last time you took a look at your heart and asked the Lord to search you and see if maybe pride has taken hold where it should not? Maybe lust has taken hold where it should not? Maybe covetousness has taken hold where it should not? maybe unforgiveness has taken hold when it should not. Can I ask you this morning, when is the last time that you truly examined your heart? And when is the last time that we genuinely, humbly confessed our sin to the Lord? The thing about sin is sin is never to be taken lightly. But the beautiful thing is that sin can always be taken care of immediately. I love what the Apostle John said in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sin, you know it, say it with me. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we examine ourselves, why? Because we don't want to approach or partake of this memorial in a light or frivolous way. Some things are just too significant to be treated lightly. So I wear on the fourth finger of my left hand a memorial of vows that I took more than 10 years, less than 20 years ago. (laughs) So when I was first married, I obviously wasn't used to wearing a ring. So I would play with it all the time. I would play with it all the time. I would take it. I would roll it on my fingers. I'd play with it. I'd see if you could see reflection, you know, just kind of one of those nervous habit type things that you do. Every so often, though, I would drop it. And whenever I dropped it, I got the look. <laughs> I remember one occasion, I don't know if we were in church or what we were doing, but I remember one time, like, wherever it was, it had a concrete floor, and I dropped it, and you heard ding, 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 and then it landed on edge. And rolled away. I don't remember where we were or what we were doing. I just remember the atmosphere changed uh, after that happened. And I learned what? You leave it on your finger, right? Because some things are just too important to treat lightly or to play with. Paul here reminds us the memorial that God has given us. There are some very real consequences for not understanding the seriousness of the Lord's Supper. There are some very real consequences when we lightly or loosely esteem that which deserves deep and weighty reverence. Paul refers in verse number 30, he says, for this cause, because people were not discerning the weighty significance of what this was. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. That doesn't mean that they forgot to set their clocks back and overslept, that means they died and they were asleep in the Lord. And so church... As we come to the Lord's table this morning, we're instructed first to take a grateful look back at all that Christ has done. We're instructed secondly that we must make sure, take a genuine look within to make sure that we are approaching the Lord's table with clean hands and a clean heart. One more thing verses 33 and 34. He said, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry, wait one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation, and the rest I will set in order when I come. So Paul says what? As we come to the Lord's table, number one, church, we need to have what? We need to have a grateful look back. Number two, we need to have what? A genuine look within. Finally, this morning as we come to the Lord's table, we're instructed to have a gracious look around. Having looked back at what Jesus did, having looked within to make sure that we are approaching the Lord's table in a way that is befitting of what He has left us, we're finally commanded to have a look around and consider our brethren in Christ. So as we come together as the Lord's body... To remember how the Lord's body was broken for us. May we never forget that Jesus paid a high price for his church. In Acts 20 and verse 28 we see this. Paul says to the elders at Ephesus, Take heed therefore unto yourselves, and to all the flock of God, which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. You see, the price that Jesus paid for the church was His blood. And we better treat this body accordingly. You think about Christmas time as coming up, and if somebody were to get a nice gift and, and to treat it lightly or, or abuse it, you, you would have a problem with that, wouldn't you? C- consider with me, maybe maybe this year you're going to get your kids a cell phone. Ooh, cell phone, right? You would never do that. I would never do that. But I needed an illustration, so work with me, right? You get your kid a cell phone. And you really went in on the cell phone, man. It's, it's the iPhone 15 with titanium. It's amazing. Runs on the fastest 5G network available. Mm. Now... After all the hugs and kisses on Christmas morning, Kid G ain't getting a cell phone, all right? It ain't happening. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. So what would you think if Christmas afternoon they decided, I don't want this dumb case. I want to see the pretty blue phone and they were looking at the pretty blue phone, and then after a while, they were tossing it up in the air. What, what, what would you say? Stop it. What is wrong with you? Don't you know what we paid for that? You're going to take care of that, don't you understand, young man or young lady? Okay, okay. You ain't getting the phone. Then maybe later Christmas day, Jimmy from down the street showed up, and he's got, he's got the newest Mario video game. And whoa, Mario! Let's go play Mario! We would probably, in a spirit-filled way, lose our minds. Yeah. Why? Because something within us, how, how dare they treat so lightly something that costs me so much? Right. That's good. Wow. That's good. Church, look around. No, go ahead, look around. I'm not going to make you talk to your neighbor. I'm not David Weyrich. <laughs> this is the body of Christ that he has called out to meet here in Clyde, Ohio. He paid for this with his blood. You look around and you say, well, he paid too much. (laughs) But he paid the debt that we owe. When we consider all that he did for us, let me ask you, look around, church. How can we neglect this body? You see what Jesus paid. How can we neglect this assembly? Paul said in Hebrews 10, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Well, guess what, church? I see the day approaching. It's closer today than it was yesterday. What does that mean? That means we need this body more today than we did yesterday. How can we consider all that he did and neglect this body? How can we consider the price that he paid and tear down one another and bite and devour one another and criticize and gossip? How can we do those things? How can we live selfishly in that which he has purchased so selflessly? We're called to take a grateful look back. We're called to take a genuine look within, but we're also called to take a gracious look around because the Bible is clear. We're called to love one another and prefer one another and serve one another and forgive one another. You say, preacher, how is that possible? Because he has loved us and he has preferred us and he has served us and he has forgiven us. How can we look at his self-sacrifice and continue living in a self-serving way? How can I hold something against another when He has forgiven all that was against me? His sacrifice for us sets the tone in how we treat one another. Look around. This is what the body and blood of Christ has bought and brought together. And so as we come together this morning, to remember his body that was broken. We must take a gracious look around and appreciate the body that he has brought together. Church, when we come to the Lord's table to receive the Lord's Supper, we do show the Lord's death till he come. This is humanity's only hope. Humanity's hope is not in the White House. It's not in next year's election. It's not in the United Nations. It's not in the European Union. It's not in Vladimir Zelensky or whatever his name is. It's not in Putin. It's not in China. It's not. The only hope humanity has is Jesus Christ. And so this morning, with that in mind, we're going to practice what we preach. Before we come to the Lord's table, we're going to stop. Have a time of invitation. Why? So that we can take a grateful look back. And maybe it would be good for us just to stop this morning and say, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. We're going to stop this morning and have a time of invitation, not only so we can take a grateful look back, but also so we can take a genuine look within. I'm going to tell you, if there's sin in your life this morning, confess it and forsake it and you will for find forgiveness and mercy. And then this morning, we can come together in one accord with a grateful heart and with clean hands. So I invite you, if you would, let's stand together this morning, heads bowed and eyes closed. And I invite every one of us to take some time this morning and meet with our great Savior, our wonderful King.